want to look at Henry VIII's codpiece? <laughs> it's, it's a it's a suit of armor, but the codpiece is hilarious in the context of the armor. Oh, so it's like a it's it's like a jock strap of the olden <laughs> yes. days. Nice. Look at that thing. Holy crap! <laughs> I think I think that's actually what he used to behead all of his wives. <laughs> This is Relics of War, episode 117, a podcast about Guild Wars 2 and the Guild Wars community on the whole. My name is Ryan. I'll be your host. You can call me Cole, but I'm largely unnecessary. With me today, I have Spirit. Hello. I have Grybok. Hello. And I have, for the first time in a very long time, Smark Smithy Smith. Hello. How are you doing, sir? Good, thank you. I feel a, a little betrayed. I should get it off my chest initially. Um, it seems like the first time ever. You've had two English gentlemen back to back, and last week you had Duke, who just seems to know everything there is about Guild Wars, and is a true Englishman and well-spoken. And now you have me, someone who knows nothing. Um, so I probably would have been less betrayed if you sent me naked pictures of my wife. But we'll see how we get on. <laughs> I mean, I think that covers the spectrum, though, right? I think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, what we're going to be doing today is, especially during Togo Subbox, we're going to be talking about things that maybe a newer player might want to ask, because we tend to kind of focus on people that have been playing for a while and stuff like that. So it's kind of like taking Nike and doing the opposite. You know, there's Nike and here's like, how you min-max? And then there's Mark, who's, you know, he's going to be like, how do you, like, what's the benefit of dodge rolling or something like that? I don't know. You're you're pretty familiar, at least to that degree, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Instilling confidence in us all. I'm extremely familiar with other games, um, but not this game. So yeah, how to move around in game, I'm pretty good at that. But when it comes to the terminology, um, the world, that's where I have absolutely no knowledge. So it would be really useful for me to have people knowledgeable who I can ask. Okay. So yeah, that's uh, that, that gets us started there. And um, we had an interesting patch that I'd like to talk about first, um, even though we just had the April feature patch and also... My wife's chair is making loud noises upstairs. Um, yeah, let's just jump right into Patch Adams. They're squirrels. They're one of the most amiable creatures on the planet. Oh, no, they're not. On the list of hostile predators, they're right above the bottom, just above baby chicks and slugs. What could they possibly want? Your nuts? <coughs> All right, so this last patch that we just got, um, number one, biggest, most important thing. They fixed the dredge fractal. Yeah. It's a victory for all of us. I'm, I'm very uh, sad that I'll have to change the bumper, but otherwise, this is incredible. And also, yeah. it's it's cheese. Yeah, I mean, it... Um, and they the thing that I really liked is they specifically mentioned that some of the changes were because of the CDI. I think that's a really positive reinforcement that the CDI has uh, a lot of value both to the community and to the um, developers. And I guess since you're uh, sort of new to the game and terminology... Uh, Smithy, the CDI is something that the developers started called the Collaborative Development Initiative on the forums, and they would basically take a big uh, topic and say, we'd like to have an open dialogue with you about this thing and what you guys like about it, what you guys think could be improved, what are the problems with it, and you know, people would just 
talk about it for sometimes you know 70 80 pages of of threads and you know they the intent was to make the game better for everybody and so um this is one of those things where we're actually seeing payoffs from that you know taking the community's opinion on on the biggest problems so have you seen many payoffs because it sounds like a bit of a publicity stunt to a cynical guy that they're saying tell us what you want and we'll do it um, are they actually doing a lot of it, or is this one of the first that's really paid off? Or well, the thing you have to keep in mind is that it takes about four months for them to create content for the game, and so even though we get patches every two weeks, that's because it was made four months ago or started four months ago. And so the soonest you can see a change from the CDI is about four months, unless it's a really really short fix. And so most of the CDIs happened in about uh, in around like I want to say November December. January, and so this is about the soonest we can expect to see um, CDI stuff. So you know, it's it's not like they're gonna do everything that's in there, but if nothing else, the players are the ones that know the most about the ins and outs of the system, about what what works and what doesn't work, because we spend so much time playing it. Um, so I, I think they're I think they actually do listen. What do you guys think? It, there's oh, go ahead. Less than the devs listening, my one thing about the CDI and why it's so great is because it's an incredibly constructive environment coming from the players. In part, I think, due to how ArenaNet runs it. But having an open discussion sounds like a recipe for devolving into madness or worse, depending on you know which games you play. Uh, but it's not. It's an incredibly constructive environment and really fun to participate in. Yeah. The thing I've noticed with these CDIs, um, people are complaining right now because, oh man, it's it's taken long enough to fix the stretch fractal, and I completely agree with that. But the the feature patch that happened in mid-April, and then this patch too. This one wasn't supposed to be a feature patch, but in a way it was because they fixed a lot of important things. Um, it seems like, and I've said this before on Twitter, it's not that they have this long lead time between, oh hey, we've got this massive problem. Two years later, hey, we fixed it. Aren't we great? Even though that it's kind of felt that way, what really seems to have happened though is that there were a lot of things slated. We got to get this fixed. We got to get this fixed. But first, we're going to do Living Story season one. And once that got out of the way, it was like ArenaNet themselves kind of had this huge change of focus. Um, and it's like all of a sudden, all of a sudden you just saw it come to head that, hey, we have been listening. It's kind of weird that while Living Story was going on, it was like they were just writing down notes about what we didn't like, but they weren't actually acknowledging it or acting on that. And now it's like everything focuses on what we've said. So it's kind of weird. Um, I've said that it almost seems like there was this group project and there was one dumbass who had a bunch of stupid ideas. And right <laughs> now is that point where that dumbass stepped out. And they, uh, dumbass's name starts with an N. And, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go there. But anyway, so there you have it. I was about to make fun of a publisher of a specific <laughs> name. We've never picked on them before. No, never. We never um, such a thing. Even I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yep. But uh, have any of you guys run the dredge fractal since the fix? Yeah, yep. we did. Uh... We got the path that was uh, the path formerly known as rifles. We'll call it that. Um, okay. And it's now, instead of having, well, there's a few mobs, there's maybe six, but they don't respawn. And it's it's entirely a puzzle section where there's turrets firing on you in a pattern and you have to run up the hill without getting hit by any turrets, get to the door with three of your team at the level we did. I, I presume it's more people as it scales up as with other puzzles. But incredibly easy compared to respawning waves of molemen that just keep respawning. you. Yeah. And have ridiculous amounts of health. Yeah, it was it was quite enjoyable. And the the clown car is almost 
not a clown car anymore because yeah. it's one wave of dredge and the boss and that's that's it the boss has a lot less health yes yeah 15 percent less and also the i i found when i ran it that the um the room where you have to stand on the plates was a lot more reasonable mm-hmm. yeah there's like instead of just constantly respawning mobs if there are so many already respawned no more show up it's like but that's a novel idea right there guys and so, they also removed uh they also removed one or two of the ones that are near the panel that you have to stand or that you have to activate for so long so it's a lot mm-hmm. easier to pull them away. I mean cuz we did it without any reflects and that is was literally impossible before. Yeah. Like we did it without stealth or reflects when we well, tried we it. We formanded it when we did it. Yeah. So that's that's <laughs> yeah, how mean, much easier it got. So we formanded yeah. at level 32, is it? Yeah, 32. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And the the only thing to note, um, it seems like they wanted to at least balance it the other way a little bit, so the end boss tends to hit a lot harder right now. Which, yes. I mean, come on, don't get hit by him. Why are you getting hit by him? So, no big deal there. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah all around. It was great. It was great changes. It was, because, uh, you know, maybe for, we can explain for Smithy a little bit, and people that don't do fractals as much, the biggest problem is that um, the the way the fractals are designed, you get four randomized fractals from from a subset of fractals at each. You know, the, so the first fractal will be one. They're of, like mini know, dungeons, by the way. That yeah, like one together. of three or four. You know, little mini dungeons, and then the second one will be one of three or four different mini dungeons. And the problem was that for the third set, that one of them was the dredge fractal, and <laughs> it was Just the way you it, say it, it was such like reverence. It was the dredge dread. fractal. The dre- well, we called the it the D. Dread. <laughs> like like you got the d and you did not want the d um you didn't want it and it got shoved upon you um and largely it was a problem in my opinion with the scaling you know the game scales up um content as you get higher level mm-hmm. and fractals scale everything and just the way that the enemies are designed in in that area they're immune to blind and they have a bunch of like they have a bunch of dazes and stuns and they have a bunch of uh condi- or um, boons that they put on themselves and when you make a bunch of monsters like that that are actually all super high level it was just miserable and it that fractal alone would often take as long as the other three combined yep. if you could even finish it mm-hmm. and all the other ones were not like that and so that's that's what we mean when we say that they fixed it is they made it more in line with the other ones like it's not just a complete cakewalk but it's you know it's reasonable it's good i think it's my favorite third one now I really think about it. I'd have to think about it, but there may be another one. I really yeah. enjoy the the Thaumanova reactor for the boss. Oh, right. I've only played that like twice since it, it came out. I never seem to you get it. You always get dredge because it's the dredge. Because <laughs> it's the D. <laughs> I love watching people get pulled off the sides by those portals. Mm-hmm. Bloop! There goes Trevor. <laughs> I He's knocked down for 800 years. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I'm just knocked down for 800 years. That's one thing in our guild. We've we got a guy named Trevor who kind of started this. But um, if there's a if you're exaggerating to point out that there's a long period of time that's unreasonable, say a knockdown or something, then the duration you say is 800 years. That's how you know that it's being taken to a logical, you know, <laughs> complete exaggerated extent. So he'll be like, sorry, guys, I'm just knocked down for 800 years. I'm just blinded for 800 years. <laughs> yeah. Just a loading screen for 800 years. So, on the topic of fractals, they have also said, they said that um, basically when you finish a fractal at higher levels, the armor chest uh, drop rates have been uh, rebalanced to feel more rewarding, which is kind of a very vague statement. In essence, what they're saying is, this is what I heard, and maybe I'm being too much of a jerk, but we know we're not good at math, but we think we did a good job this time. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that's a little bit mean, but to be fair um, though, I did do uh two fractals just a couple days after they said that. The first group, we did a 50, two people got armor chests, ascended armor, and one guy got a fractal weapon in that same run. Then when we did the level 32 with spirit, uh spirit got an ascended armor chest. So I have yet to do a fractal where I don't see somebody get a pink. So I think uh I think the 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 zeros and the decimal points lined up this time. <laughs> I was a healing one though, so there yeah. still leaves a little bit to be desired. Well, you got yeah, uh, but there you go. RNG is RNG. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Still got some of it. Yeah. So if you if there are people out there who weren't doing fractals, the majority of them were not doing it because of a the rewarding, you know, how rewarded they felt, and number two, they were tired of dredge. So I think this should get people more interested in fractals, except for the fact that it is a very old piece of content now. It's like a year and a half since it came out. Mm -hmm. So in my opinion, we need something new still, but at least the progression content in the game at the moment in PvE has finally been resolved and is enjoyable. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, so speaking speaking of of uh, (laughs) high-end (laughs) PvE... I know. (laughs) Right? Uh, The Queen's Queen's Gauntlet came back. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say, speaking of high-end PvE, the Queensdale champ trade. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, no, that would have been a good one. That would have been a good joke. But, uh, yeah, no, we can, we can go there, too, then. That's fine. Yeah, speaking so the of Queensdale math- champ train, it, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, choo-choo. So Smithy, and all um, of the starter zone ones, actually. Even though there weren't really official trains in the other starter zones, Yeah. Um, they... Uh, they got they, rid of the fallback plans. Yeah, they got rid of all the champions in, in the starter zones, so... So the way this works, Smithy, is um, there are these champ trains that people run where in a specific area, like let's say the starter zone Queensdale for humans, there would be, you know, several champions throughout the map. Well, these people, what they would do is they would just jump from one to the next because these were really actually very, um, they had good rewards, you know, for bags that you would get, plus you get a lot of experience. So people would go to Queensdale and level up between, you know, levels two all the way up to like 35 or something. And then they'd move on to a new champ train or whatever. But anyway, if so by that, 35, you mean 80. They were getting I 80 doing 80 that crap? On champ trains. Oh, oh yeah, because more. the because the, uh, the the experience scaled with your level. Like, it was true. easily one of the best ways to level if you're not crafting. Oh, jeez. Um, that's... Oh, so, yeah, if that's how people are leveling and there's some new player shows up, hey, how do I get to 80 fast? They're like, oh, come to the champ train. These people are going to, you know, get to level 40 and they'll be like, this game sucks, and they'll just quit. Yeah. So I can see what the concern was, most definitely. So they got rid of that, and now you actually have to go out and do the game again to level... Unless you like Edge of the Mists, I hear that's still pretty do, badass. Yes. And you can do champ trains in high-level zones still, which I think is fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I've always... I don't have a problem with champion trains in general. Like, if people want to just sit there and grind something... Like, I, I don't care, whatever. Like, more power to him, as long as it's not required to play the game. Um, but a, a big problem with the Queensdale champ train in particular was that it became very toxic to people. Like, y- you would get the people that were training all the time, and they would just be giant douches to new players that would, who like... Who killed the boar? Yeah, yeah who, who killed this out of order? Like, get in the train, or, you know... Yeah, anyway, so... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy it's gone. Um, so... Let's see what else we got here. I've lost my. We got Queen's Gauntlet, which is what was my original uh, segue. Yeah, let's go back with your segue before I interrupted you like a rude person. (laughs) No, it's all right. You know, Uh, you're the host, so (laughs) I'm the ass butt. So the the Queen's Gauntlet. So I've actually taken part in that this year. Uh, Was it a year? Yeah, it was a year ago. Last time it came out, right? Okay. About so. Oh my god! It came out really a year ago. Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ. Yeah. 
The um the Zephyrites are here right. as well, so that's kind of new because we have both at the same time. But I think the Gauntlet's getting a little more attention. Would you guys agree? Somewhat. I mean, yeah, it uh, it's one of those things where it's it was very difficult content, and it's all solo, and so it definitely appealed to a certain type of player. And there were a lot of players that were either getting burned out on Living Story or getting um you know burned out on the game or just thought it was kind of bs and didn't do it and a lot of those players have come back sort of reinvigorated or have gotten better at the game to, you know to be perfectly honest and um yeah so a lot of people are trying their hand at it for the first time because they kind of uh, you know a lot of people say you know i kind of wish that i did it you know back then and so it's giving them a second shot at it yeah so for smithy what this is is um i uh, i guess we should talk a little bit about the living story before i go too much into it but basically it's something for people to do alone rather than in a group and there's this one thing up at the top of this uh crown pavilion that they call it where you actually go through multiple bosses and you're like testing your metal and at the end of it there's this one called liadri and she is a massive pain in the ass until you get the choreography of it down i mean honestly it is kind of just choreography after you figure that out she's not too shabby um, there, is there any mobs in between, or is it just boss to boss to boss to Liadri? Or it's sort of like a challenge. It's like a challenge mode where you go and say which boss you want to fight, and then each one has special mechanics. And yeah, you're actually in these little arenas that are suspended above the area, and people can watch you fight them. Ooh. And then when you die, it dumps you out, and then they can revive you. Unless you take you. three minutes, well, in exactly. which case it drops you all the way to the bottom floor, and you just right, have time timed. to contemplate your mistakes. So it's a true gauntlet then, the way it's yeah. set up. Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's really well designed in my opinion. Do like they, it, regardless of the path you choose, do you always end up at Liadri? Is she the well, end final boss regardless? There, there's not paths, there's just like a dozen bosses I think. Mm -hmm. okay. Like you just, but you can refight them and you can, they also added in a cool system where, um, are they, is it gambits for this one? I always yes. forget which yeah. one's which. Yeah. So gambits where you basically can add in extra restrictions onto yourself to make the fights harder and it will increase your rewards and there's achievements for those. So there's ones like you can't dodge roll or you're always on fire or things like that. And you can do multiple of them at the same time to increase the rewards. And so there's sort of an element of, you know, figuring out a fight really well and then figuring out how to do it with extra handicaps mm -hmm. and yeah like i that. actually before this one i think four or five times i did i put every gambit on me and fought tire rage ma because he's so freaking easy mm. and it just beat the piss out of him and this guy was going you're really good i'm like no that's tire rage ma buddy you have <laughs> a problem with bad. these other ones. this guy's a joke so i just kept going in there doing that he's like oh i gotta learn to do that i'm like you don't just you don't have to learn to do that that's easy <laughs> yeah and is um, it just endgame content? Can you only do this when you're max level? Is it just single-player PvE for endgame? I uh, would definitely recommend you being max level and you know going in there with the, the best gear you have, especially for Liadri. Liadri, you want to, especially if you're going to have trouble with her, you're going to want to min-max a little bit, at least in terms of making sure you've got your food, your buffs, your whatever you've got there. Um, but anyone in the Queen's Pavilion is scaled up to 80. And, you know, if you're familiar with the World v. World where you go in at 2 and you're scaled up to 80 and you're kind of uh, about a, as effective as a wet bus ticket, um, it's not like that. They've done some extra work behind the scenes so that you actually are effective as a real low-level character, but I, despite you that You don't have scaling, your traits and skills necessarily, yeah. and yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, but the thing that we were talking about this a little bit in show notes, and it's one of the reasons I consider some of the best design content is the more that you know it, you can probably like I almost guarantee you I could do it on a low level character scaled up right now because it's not just about numbers; it's about like skill and paying attention and um like timing and things like that. And so you know the the damage is important, but it's not like she's just a sack of hit points that you have to wail on for eternity. Yeah. Like I I'm pretty <laughs> sure I could beat her on a scaled up character because i know the fight really well i mean i i I did it last year and i decided to redo it this year because they added a new title that wasn't retroactive uh for beating her and it only took me two tries and i didn't use food or anything like that i just i like did it and then i realized that i'd forgotten some of the mechanics of the fight and then i just got it my second try and then i tried it again and got it again on my third try um so you know it's one of those things that once you understand how it works and once you've gotten the skill of how to do it it it's fun but it's you know yeah it's 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 a learning experience rather than um you know just like a dps race or something two tries you might think you're cool but are you <laughs> bluetooth in both ears cool <laughs> uh <cat> right. party <laughs> that that one yeah that's a loud and swainism right there who is, uh. we're talking about having on the show sometime here pretty soon too so all right, having spoken about that, uh, if you guys haven't tried it, go ahead and give it a shot. Liadri is actually pretty fun. Uh, it's, it's good solo content, especially Loudon Swain. That's one of his problems with this game is there's nothing to do alone. Dude, if you're listening, at least go try that. I think you'd have quite a bit of fun with it. So, uh, And I do agree that it needs more, more of that sort of thing as well. What we need is more options for things to do with more numbers of people alone, more stuff to do. With 12 people, more stuff to do would be great. Sure. We're going to say that once every episode till we get it. Because, because it worked with Dredge so far. We've mentioned Dredge, I think, every time. Maybe not. Uh, yeah, I mean, things that we talk about happen. I mean, Relics of War, we are the primary influence of ArenaNet. Mm-hmm. Okay, then right. we need it's to fact. start. Yeah, we need to also start re-mentioning the singleton, the pink sweatpants gacky then. Uh, Kenta? Kenta, 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 Kenta. Oh, well, yeah, that too. But you, to get that gacky, you'd need Kenta. So it's all one package. Anyway, uh... <laughs> moving on. So yeah. below Liadri, though, uh, there's there's quite a bit of controversy. Do we want to just move into Bar Brawl? Because that's pretty much the biggest thing to talk about, I guess. Yeah, except ArenaNet gutted my arguments by being awesome and listening to the community, and now I have to flip a table and leave because I had this like perfectly prepared argument all week. I'd given it a lot of thought. I'd asked people their opinions. Hey, man, just listen up. And I can take anybody in the place! Oh. Oh, I can't believe you've done this. They patched it out. They patched a what? Really? I, they I have not paid attention to anything. I know! Not- <laughs> what am I gonna do when I don't have time to Lego? I can't complain on the weekends because is fixing their content <laughs> to make it worth doing. <laughs> That was well, a good turnaround time too. That was less than a week. Yeah. A so, so I haven't been paying attention to what's going on down below, <laughs> and I want to know what the hell's happened. All right. So at the beginning of the week, they did the the, the patch that brought everything back, and mm-hmm. people dove into the Crown Pavilion expecting, like last year, to have this Zerg F- farm fest. Farm fest. Yeah. I don't know. It it was just a mass of people who would move from boss to boss and would beat the living snot out of them for one to two minutes and then move on to another boss. But what they did this time is they made it so that not only does nothing in the arena drop any useful drops, uh, besides Queen's Gauntlet tickets and festival tokens, those were the only things that anything in the arena would drop. 
you had to kill well first you had to donate money and it was a significant amount i'm not sure exactly how much it is but i know that one silver did not move the bar at all i think it was 100 gold is it 100 like overall <sighs> okay so you have to donate 100 Holy gold crap. between everyone in the arena to trigger all six bosses at once when this is done you have to kill all six bosses to get the rewards you will not get a champ box per boss killed you will not get any rewards until all of the bosses are killed in addition you have to kill them within a certain time limit so the optimal strategy is splitting up but of course everyone was like i am going to go whale on it like i did last year which turned out to be a terrible idea because when you kill one of the bosses the bosses transmit their skills to all of the other to bosses the others. Oh, it's like so by the time you get to the last one that no one likes to do which has a healing turret that spawns behind the zerg it can take upwards of 30 minutes to kill her oh. and well and the other thing is the scaling like when it comes to the um when it comes to the people wanting to bunch up when the best strategy is to split not only is it the best strategy to split because of the time constraint mm -hmm. but the scaling seems to be really off and they scale up way too fast with a large number of people so not only does it make it harder to get it within the six minutes if you're not killing them all at once but it actually becomes exponentially harder to kill them if you group up all on one in general yeah um, okay. and so then when you apply that and giving them each other's skills on top of that it was monstrous and the reward was not that good like to put it in perspective we were talking about the champion train you could earn better rewards on a champion train than doing this and yeah yeah just... so what did they do to fix it well well not uh they didn't really change the mechanics at all but after you went through all this effort to kill all the boxes you would get two champion boxes mind you you've just killed six it very depended... difficult champions it depended on what reward scale you got. Yeah, well, if you were not doing it efficiently, you would get two. That was that was the bronze level. Silver was was it eight minutes and four boxes. And I want to say gold was was it six or eight? Gold was eight boxes. Yeah. But so yesterday, I think no, not yesterday, day before. Yeah, Friday. They put out a patch that changed the reward level. So if you do bronze, you at least get one champ box per champion killed then hmm. i don't know what silver tier is but gold tier is now 10 and people have kind of got this on well the people who understand it the people who do it well uh can do it in seven minutes so or not seven minutes about about seven minutes you know you you can get gold or you can be a little bit on the other side of it but it's become a lot more doable both through players learning how to do it and becoming more rewarding and additionally They've added, what was it, the, the T6 materials, and there was another thing that escapes me, but basically you now have a use for the festival tokens you're, if you've been through and gotten the rewards from every living story so far, and you're not just accumulating these useless, useless or you don't care donuts for any of them. Your, yeah. <laughs> so it, it kind of fixes the problem of nothing dropping in the arena, because you're, you're still going to get the tokens and can turn them in for rewards. Yeah, what I think was interesting about it for discussion's sake was that, you know, one of the 
one of the primary complaints that a lot of people have is that a lot of the content is just, you know, so-called Zerg content where you just get a bunch of people together and just blow everything up without having to, like, really use any skill. And I do see where they were intending to make this not Zerg content by sort of forcing you to split up, sort of like you did in the Marionette fight and some of the other newer ones. But the biggest problems were that they didn't telegraph it at all, so nobody knew that they were supposed to split up, and since it was the same content as last year, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. the intuition was to do just what we did last year and also the rewards just were not really up to snuff and so when you combine the fact that you no longer have standard core servers that you can join um you know for for servers that might be more dedicated to doing it and you also get like rewards based on a random group of people and then also most people don't understand what's going on it came out very frustrating for people but i think the general idea of it was not too bad i also agree with like they dropped out all the rewards on on the lesser mobs which was frustrating for for players that had it last year because even though it kind of messed with the economy a lot it gave players a feeling like they could actually jump if they were getting behind the curve mm-hmm. and you know that whole feeling was gone and i i think that there's some uh there's some need for them to help in that area in future patches but i do i do understand the idea of what they're trying to go for with like not blowing up the economy again and also trying to encourage people to not zerg and all those types of things so i think their head their their heart was in the right place but it just didn't you know it didn't work out right yeah, and on the topic of the bar brawl, Washed had some input that, I mean, it echoes everything that I'm feeling about it. Number one is when you introduce new content, you really need to introduce a lot of new content, not one thing that everybody's going to do so that everybody gets tired of it in a few days. Plus, all those people are there, so now you got to deal with graphical settings and the server load and stuff like that. I mean, this is, as he says, this is a beautiful game, and if you have to turn your graphics way down just to play it, to, as Spirit would say, to the graphics level of butt, then it's no good. It, it, it feels like you're playing Super Nintendo. But on top of that, also, um, spreading it out, making, you know, uh, giving us more things to do, um, right now we have the actual, the Zephyrites, you know, they're bringing that event back plus this, which is kind of like what we're talking about, but it, the original Halloween event, uh, Wash said this was the best because there were so many things you could go do, you know, and I agree, there were, how many different things were there to go do during the first Halloween event? There was that, um, like, it was that maze or whatever? God, there were like two quasi-PVP minigames, you know, one that was sort of mm-hmm. a Dota-like and one that was a... Uh, sort of hide-and-go-seek mode, like team Mm -hmm. hide-and-go-seek. And then there was the mini dungeon, and there was all the open world, you know, I mean, most of those were pretty bad. Let's let's admit it. Yeah, you know, they those were, were like, bad. Go, go click fifty pumpkins. But uh, oh, but they had the doors in the open world. That was pretty fun. Yeah, and the the clock tower too. Oh, and the, yeah, the clock tower. How could you forget the clock tower? The most demoralizing <laughs> jumping puzzle in the game. Uh, yeah. The hours of profanity on Mumble. That's and, all it was. Oh, we did it the first time. We did it. It was me and maybe one or two other guildies and we didn't speak to each other at all except in like a, the occasional profanity to let each other know that we fell <laughs> yeah it uh but you know again that goes back to sort of like the liadri fight is like it's extremely frustrating when you're sucking at it but once you have it down like you have it down mm-hmm. uh it was the same thing this year with the the you know i i butted my head against it the first year as 
you know, until I got it. And then I tried it this year and I got it on my first try. Like it's, you know, once you get it and once you understand it, you've got it. And so there's a certain level of fairness with the content where it feels so unfair. Do you pancreatic you... checkups? Yeah, well, you know, um, that's that's pretty standard <laughs> say for that my chin diabetics, you know. Environment. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it feels unfair when you don't know what you're doing. But at the same time, once you do know what you're doing, you realize that it really is almost entirely skill-based and not, you know, there's no randomness involved. There's no DPS checks or things like that. So anyway. I want more stuff like this. Yeah, the Liadri fight, I actually had to, it was, I had to do it myself. You couldn't just watch a video and be like, oh, that's how you do it. Okay. Yeah. You actually had to try stuff and experiment and get new things going. And I mean, like I said, I t- took me 24 tries. It probably would have been more like eight had I just used the right profession to start with. But I mean, that's still challenging. You see people go down there and this, you know, some guys, you're watching him do it several times. He'll go in and die a few times too, because it's just something can go wrong. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, they need more stuff that has a very high skill cap. Well, and I, you know, and I want to say too about using the right profession. I think largely it's about using the right profession for your personal play style because you were having exactly, trouble yeah. with a warrior and a warrior was the only thing I could beat it with last year. And really? Yeah, I, because I I was having so much trouble in the first phase with her just doing so much damage to me before I could get the three orbs in that by the time I made it to the second stage, she just DPSed me to death before I could kill her. And the mm-hmm. warrior was the only one that was durable enough and had the health regen that I could sort of weather the first stage and then I could just kite her during the second stage. And um, you know, that worked really well for me. And I remember specifically my necro was my real main back then and I couldn't do it because I was just taking too much damage. And this year, you know, when I tried it, I did it on my necro and I aced her twice and like I don't my <laughs> my gear isn't particularly any different or better and my build is the same but I've just gotten better at the game. And yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, and you got it on your Mesmer. One of my other guildies was bashing her head against it with her Mesmer all evening, you know? So there isn't really a real, like, right profession, but... Yeah, there is Mesmer. (laughs) Yeah, well, there you go. The minstrel. Yes. It bears mentioning that you can do it on on any profession. There are ways to do it. So don't don't be demoralized if you're not in one of the ones that we've mentioned. I've... I've done it on Thief, much to um, my misery. I don't know. It took me a long time, especially with a, a real DPS-focused build. You uh, might lose half your health if Liadri hits you with one of her hands. I don't know. One thing that I, I noticed helps, the first time I tried it was on my Mesmer. I only tried it like once or twice. I went to Warrior and I had to learn new ways to deal with other things. Like mm-hmm. before I could, you know, stealth or I could blink or Involve. with the Warrior, it was like, how do I stop getting hit? I don't have those tricks. And so I started doing the run side to side like I would for the Shaman Fractal. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, this is freaking easy now. So then the next time I was on my Mesmer, a huge part of the problem was gone. And that's why. So you might want to try another profession, even if you're like, I really don't think I could do it with this. You'll learn something in giving it a shot, and then you can go back to the one that you're most comfortable with. Yeah, if I mean, you're having problems. For example, I didn't. I don't know if I forgot this or just never knew it, but you can you can CC the shadow clone things that blow you up in one hit, and you can blind mm-hmm. them. And no, if you blind uh, them, they will blow up and not kill you. I knew you could what? blind them. You can knockback ah. wave them. Uh, yeah, you can mess with them a lot, and so like necros. I put too much pressure on my balsa wood. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't do this, but uh, uh, other necros were using well of darkness so that they would just plop it on themselves and be invincible to those things, and like that's huge, and that's something I didn't even know you could do. Wait. And I saw mesmers using greatsword five. Oh. 
um, to knock them yep. back like super far to just get them away from you. Uh, if you stealth, they stop chasing you, which makes sense. But you know, uh, so thieves have you know, if thieves are feeling the pressure, they can stealth and walk away, and people stop attacking you for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's just all sorts of tools like that that are you know kind of subtle, and I mean, you, you just learn things, and that's another element of the people watching other people fight. Um, you know, you watch them do these things, and you go, "No way! Like I didn't know you could do that." And yeah, it's really fun. All right, so we haven't heard much from Smithy, so it's time to appease. Are you Linda still Sauce. alive? <laughs> I'm still here. So we're gonna get into Togo Soapbutt. As a new player to Guild Wars. Oh, Togo! I just want to get through this already. Shut up. Okay. And it's actually Togo Soapbox, but we have an image, and so I don't know how this happened. So Togo Soapbox, um, we're gonna focus on things that a latecomer to Guild Wars Two might want to know about. Um, I'd like to talk about the story and how Living Story worked during Season 1 and how that played out. Um, but do you have any other questions before that that you'd like to talk about, Smithy? I do, but it, they might feed off naturally from there because you've already answered a few of my questions already. So um, do you want to go first and I'll follow up or do you want me to fire some real newbie questions at you initially? Um, yeah, so I'll get uh, Season 1 out of the way. So what happened was um, in Guild Wars 1, when there was new content, it was given to us in what was called a campaign. So they'd release a new continent, and then they would have all these new dungeons, professions, you know, classes that came with this. And so it was like this huge swath of stuff to do. But this happened once every six to nine months, I'd say. Um, in Guild Wars 2, they enacted something new, which is called the Living Story, and they pretty much focused on this. So there wasn't a lot of new permanent content, aside from Fractals. So the game was largely the same a year and a half later than it was, or as it was uh, at release. But in the interim, like every two weeks, something new came out for us to do. So it's not like it stagnated. Um, so, you know, for one, for one patch, you might be, uh, you might have these people that flew down in these little, like, airboats or whatever. And the, there was, uh, Al Pacino or whatever his name is cross-dressing in one of those ships. And, um, so you'd have all the stuff to do with that. And then two weeks later, you're having a fight with, um, Scarlet. Scarlet was like the main antagonist of season one. Um, and we could go into her, but that's a very long topic. Uh, people were pretty controversial about whether they liked her. But anyway, so what happens with the living story is every two weeks there's a new thing to do, but it's temporary. Whatever it was that released usually went away. So all the rewards you could get from that had a good chance of not being attainable after those two weeks. So it it kind of it split the community. Some people really liked this and they advocated for it. Other people hated it. They wanted new permanent content. If you're like me, you favor permanent content, but you you don't mind the living story as long as it's not to the exclusion of permanent stuff. So, does anyone want to talk about what actually happened in season one? Um, I, well, I've been talking a lot. You want to? You want to cover it? <laughs> Where do you start? There's so much. I, I mean, we just took... give a broad outline. Yeah, like okay. yeah. you don't really so... need to go patch by patch because nobody super cares about that, or yeah. else they already know it. But we did a living story and review episode once, and it took the entire episode and an extra. Um, where did we start? Okay, so we started all the way back in Halloween the first year. Uh with the kind of the evolution actually from guild wars one of the story of the mad king and that was less uh the setup for the story as you know the first kind of new content we got and then we moved into south sun cove first new map three months into the game something Mm -hmm. like that it was real quick uh which set up the consortium who are sort of a, a dodgy mercantile organization that opened up 
all kinds of havoc, these giant crab things that drop-kicked lighthouses over and lagged the game out <laughs> to no end. I don't think that's a defining feature of their race, but it happened. I tried, I'm struggling to remember the really early stuff. That's that's one of the problems with the living story, is it is it changes so much and so much has happened that I forget actually what goes on. It's a problem with the temporary I mean, content. Where did I would say in a good nutshell, we had all these different factions of the enemy, so there were a bunch of dredge yeah. um I don't know what you'd call they them, but there was a lot up. of dredge who had yeah, they had like this communist thing that they were trying to go for. And I'm not trying to be funny there. It really was kind of a communist thing. Um and then there were also the Flame Legion Char. Anyway, you started seeing cooperation with these guys for some reason out in the world and they were doing strange things. Um, and there was a lot of kind of steampunk looking enemies appearing in different places and people were getting exiled out of cities. We were saying, what the heck's going on? And then uh, during the first uh, Crown Pavilion, you know, Queen's Jubilee thing that was happening in the human starter zone or the human uh, capital city, uh, the place got blown up and some stupid, ugly looking Silvari chick, you know, the 80, <laughs> 1986 is calling me apparently. So yeah this this really ugly silvari that nobody likes ever like she needed to go away she shows up and she's supposed to be making this dramatic entrance and so i hated her anyway so she ended up being the antagonist this was her introduction and she's the one who's tapping into essentially this dragon magic um she's trying to wake up this jungle dragon that um is now going to be our new bad guy uh so in trying to wake that up she was banding all these enemies of us together so that they would team up and um so she kind of made these appearances in all these different dungeons and fractals and living story updates and invasions across whole maps and so we were fighting her but uh, also i it, hate her it bears mentioning that you know part of it uh, two things really is like the reason she was getting them to team up was basically that she was utilizing each of their sort of strengths and knowledge to sort of cannibalize things that they knew and developed for her grand plan so she teamed up the dredge and the char because they all make mechanical and fiery stuff and so she built these you know um giant horrible weapons and uh like ground probe things from their technology and then you know the the nightmare court teamed up and you know had all this toxic poison and stuff and so you know the players developed an antitoxin to that and so she she basically used that to figure out how to make something that the antitoxin wouldn't work against and you know so that was ostensibly why she was doing all of these things um and but the problem was that as players it was very unclear what was going on and the living story took long enough Enough for the whole thing to come to fruition that a lot of people just felt like she was just the bad guy of the day and there wasn't really a grand plan or if there was nobody knew what it was and so for a lot of players it sort of fell really flat on the storytelling end it was just like what new enemies can we create and then how can we make it be scarlet's fault basically yeah there's always scarlet did it and we didn't know about the dragon like... energy or waking up the dragon officially until the very end a lot of people had theories about it but there was absolutely nothing to indicate that until the last like three patches did it did it feel like a bit of an excuse to shoehorn that content in do you think or it felt like that to me um some people take it differently um, but the thing was scarlet like there was all this backstory to her if people had actually like looked her up on the wiki and seen what the developers wrote about it on websites you 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 might have had more of an appreciation for her but in the game she was this saturday morning cartoon crazy character you know it was it was, was like Harley she was made Quinn. for kids yeah but, but she, worse. i mean like harley quinn is still even more interesting because she had the <laughs> laughing at things that you shouldn't this is drawing contrast between your moral value system and mine stop it that stupid laugh that they make people have when they're supposed to be crazy it's 
Oh, that crap drives me nuts. They they really need work on their bad <laughs> Tell guys. Tell us how you really I'm sorry, feel. I'm going into a rant here. <laughs> I know, but like Shiro, I have returned. Eh, 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 eh. <laughs> Stop you put with the, the laughing. Did you ever see Austin Powers? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, they're not bad writers, but they really need to like, for a second, you have this bad guy. This is going to be a very large part of your story. Think a little more about it, please. Just not quite so cookie cutter next time. So the way she was implemented into this game, there wasn't a lot of thought behind it, in my opinion. The voice actress may have done a great, may have been a great one, but the voice they asked her to use was very generic. So yeah, I think she was kind of shoehorned in. Oh, I will also say, going back to your earlier question about the CDI, I there was a CDI about Living World and the storytelling therein, and I do feel like, and again, once again, there was about a four month delay from it, but about four months after that CDI, their storytelling did dramatically improve in the last several patches. Yes. When it was about four months out so i think that was another instance where we can clearly point to it and say you know that was the thing that ryan said was one of those big complaints was if you didn't read the website you had no idea who scarlet was or what her motivation was or where she came from or anything like that and they actually you know a lot of players suggested things like well what if we discovered something like scarlet's lair and we found journals that had that stuff written in it and they actually put that in later. They they put in a secret layer that you could find, and it had journals detailing basically that information from the website, and probably a little bit more. Um, and you know, if they had if they had led with that, I think she would have gotten a lot better reception overall. I mean, there were still issues, but um, they definitely improved it as it went on. The last couple of patches were actually kind of a, a very enjoyable for me, at least. I yeah, I liked them. And when you spoiler alert, when you killed her. Um, no. That image that they had of her. It now. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, you can't kill her. But anymore. when the you killed her, gone. yeah, exactly. So it's there's no chance anyway. But that image of her right after you killed her, like that actually looked that gave you a weird feeling inside. You're like this whole time she's been laughable to me, and then I saw that and I was like, somebody. It almost felt like somebody was saying, you know, all you people complaining about her. We're sorry, but look at this. If it had been done this way, wouldn't she have been awesome? Because she like looked. I don't. Do you guys know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, that cutscene right Jordan. at the end where it goes into like the very the the painterly style as opposed to like their pan yeah. camera thing. They're, they're in game. Yeah. That profile of her was creepy as hell. Yeah. Oh, someone keeps flushing a toilet upstairs. <laughs> Damn it. So anyway, that was sorry. the new story, yeah. or that was the living living world. So I don't remember where that was going. <laughs> Right. Well, uh, Smithy, go ahead. Uh, get us back in line. Okay. So that's the living story. If they're giving you content every couple of weeks, how many hours do you have to invest to progress and play through all the content they're giving you throughout that season one? Is it quite heavy? Is it towards casual? Is it somewhere in the middle? I would call. I would say the the thing is more um, that you need somewhat consistent time rather than a lot of it. Like, you don't have to, like, you can do most of the living story content in an evening or two if you play a couple hours those two evenings and you're dedicated to it and you're good. Um, but again, it's every two weeks. And so if you miss some of it, then, like, you can't go back and make it up. And it's also worth mentioning that it's, even though the, the patches were every two weeks, it was really more like, um, one month's worth of content that was broken into two halves, but you could do the first half during the second half of the month. So you could do it once a month and just blitz through it for the most part. Um, but they were sort of like one month arcs of a story, or if you will, where you get the first half in the first half of the month, and then you get the the next half, but still added onto the first half. Um, for that 
So you didn't need a ton of playtime, but you needed to sort of be consistently logging on because again, it was you know temporary. Um, I would I would say mm, I don't know. What do you guys think? Like ten hours a month? Yeah, ish. Yeah. That much. That sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Um, any news on a season two? Have they announced that it's definitely happening or when it's going to happen? It's definitely happening. We don't know exactly when. I was going to say, they are saying that this time around, season two will contain a lot of permanent content. Yeah. That is a big deal. That's a big deal. It's, that's, again, one of those things that was in the CDI that sort of all of the community sort of knew and agreed on, but it was good to get it sort of resonating through that big CDI was, you know, again, a lot of us want more permanent content and not just permanent content that's like, we put a little thing here and then left it there and nobody's ever going to use it. You know, we want mm -hmm. a lot of us that that's are sort of the explorer <clears throat> archetype really want new land to explore mm -hmm. and new, you know, continents and things like that. And so, um, yeah. And so we do know that there's going to be a season two. We just don't know exactly when. I would presume that it's not going to be super long from now. Um, I would give it a couple months tops before it starts going in full swing again, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it within a month. Okay, pretty soon then. Um, that segues into one of my questions, actually, which is, since the game was released, has there been any expansion of the actual land? Are there any new continents, or is it still the same map as release day? Southland Cove is one area that they, like Spirit said, um, just a few months into the game, they released this place. You could tell that they had plans for it that didn't really pan out the way they wanted to. People are still going there, but not for much. Um, and that's just because it, they basically gave us a new plot of land with a few events and stuff, but there really wasn't like a dungeon there. There was no new armor set that you could have for doing content that appeared there. So in essence, we weren't really incentivized to go to the place much. Um, so that's about all they've released. Um, I think we're getting some hints. We're starting to see more hints. Um, that we're going to be seeing land that extends out. And uh, contrary to what I said last week, it actually may be Alona that we're going to be seeing first. And that would make sense because Alona is actually tied to Tyria, the continent that we're on right yeah, now. Yeah, it's actually physically connected. Yeah, and that we'll get to see Palawa Joko too. And that's Maybe. fabulous. Palawa Joko, does anybody know why I'm doing the walking? Yeah, because he sounds Palawa like Joko? freaking Christopher Walken. <laughs> yeah, e exactly. So if we see Alona... Uh, I have nothing else to say, really. It could use more cowbell. In my house, um, Christopher Walken is known as Frank Kincaid. For anybody who's been to um, Universal Studios, he does a 3D thing there. And, oh. uh, yeah, my wife thinks Christopher Walken is called Frank Kincaid because that's the character <laughs> he plays, which is amazing. That is amazing. Uh, yeah, but so overall, there hasn't been a ton of expanded landmass, and that's been sort of one of my biggest uh, gripes is that, you know, mm. they don't need to come out with an expansion per se if they actually legitimately could come out with an expansion's worth of content that is the content that I enjoy from expansions. So that's like massively expanded landmass, new classes or new class trees and options, new builds and stuff like that. And for the most part, neither of those things have really happened. And so... Um, you know, that's something that I definitely is a personal thing that I, that was one of the things I loved in Guild Wars 1 was that we got these expansions that added so much land and most of my favorite areas in the game were in Alona or some of them in Cantha. And, you know, yeah, I, I think most, I think a lot of people would agree that they really want to go back to some of these places or to somewhere completely new, but somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. Um, Festival of the Four Winds. Seems big. There's a lot going on. Is that different to a story? Is that an event? Is it a patch? 
So, okay, it used to be a living world, a living story patch. Um, originally, it was... Uh, they they sort of showed up as this, you know, sort of traveling uh, traveling group, and we went there, and there were a bunch of events to do, and it, everybody loved it aesthetically. It's gorgeous. I mean, I don't know if you've had a chance to um, like check any of the visuals out or anything, but it's it is fabulous looking, and I think most people love it. And um, so it was living story content, and so now they blew up Lion's Arch, which was sort of the capital city of the world in the end of the living story, um, and it's still mostly in ruins, and so ostensibly they these Ephorites are coming back to help rebuild uh, Lion's Arch. So the content has returned without the original living story context behind it. Um, mm-hmm. So it's so it's sort of a yeah, uh, sort of a sort of a half and half on like what it is i guess i keep making the mistake and it is probably the mistake of any person who's played multiple games of comparing everything that's been talked about to something i'm familiar with i guess it's human nature but to me that sounds kind of similar to dark moon fair sort of thing in wow yeah okay i've done both of those that's a very very fair comparison um let's do some quick fire questions so um spirit what's the best pet in the game best pet uh are we talking minis or actual like hunter pets no he's a yeah he's I, a hunter I've, I've heard um Ranger, i'm sorry. going to have to what, say you... the grizzly bear nice okay grizzly um grayback what's the level cap currently 80 okay and any mods ryan um, the, you have some things that you can um, install. Like there are these bosses that spawn all over the world. They're huge bosses that hunt like seventy or so people have to attack. Um, and you can install this mod that kind of plays or, or runs on top of Guild Wars Two, and it says when they pop. Here lately, that's been less necessary because they kind of uh, put a more strict schedule on when these things show up. So not really necessary. There are some mods that will actually track your damage, your personal damage. It won't, you know, check everybody else's, but so you can see your own DPS. But I don't know if I would do that because ArenaNet is very strict on if it's going to affect other people, you running this mod, or if it's going to affect the economy or anything like that, you will get banned. Yeah. And they, they can be a little bit whimsical about it. So you want to be very careful. There's a few other mods last, too with like graphical settings and stuff like that. Yeah, UMod. If you look up UMod, which is basically text mod from Guild Wars, um, you can adjust that too. And I've done a few things with the interest of creating like machinima stuff. I've done some pretty awesome things with UMod in the game, but it can cause it to flake out a little bit or crash. But um, yeah, I mean, if anyone wants to see what I've done with it, I guess I could show, but it's, you know, it was like a year ago. It was back when I was looking for work that I actually also uh, started messing with this. But yeah, uh, you can change your armor if you want to. So if you don't like, like on my Norn Tier 3, I don't really like the cape on the top. You could get rid of that or you could redesign it or whatever. Um, but you can't adjust what's on the mesh. You can retexture what's there, but you can't actually, you know, change what's what's actually showing on the mesh. Okay. If that makes sense. The mesh being the um, UI? Model. Okay, so the actual model. Yeah, so the 3D, you can change the texture that's on the 3D, but you can't change what's actually there. Okay. So compared to other games, it's almost almost non-existent, and none of them are officially supported, and some of them can get you banned. But yeah, so mostly no is the answer. The reason Smithy asks also is I made a pretty popular UI for World of Warcraft for new listeners Mm. that don't know this. So it's like, so have you done anything for this? And no, there's nothing I can do really. Okay, yeah, that that was going to be my next question. So, and pretty popular is quite a modest way to say how popular your UI was at its peak. Um, 
Okay, so the the culture in the game at WoW is full of eleven year old angry cretins who can't play LOL at the moment. Um, <laughs> I've always got the impression that Gold Wars is a much nicer community where everybody's kind of karma centric and doing nice things and working together. Is that naive? Is it still full of um, angry little children or miserable old men, or is it is it a good place to be? I think they act a lot more mature in this game. Um, and you'll see me complain about this community a lot. I'm not saying they're angels. Comparing them to other game communities, yes, they are a lot better. The only thing is, they, there's like these two camps right now, and I can't stand the bickering they're doing. There's the one side, which is very jaded. ArenaNet can do nothing right. They're a bunch of dumbasses. And then there are the ArenaNet White Knights, which if you even have the most modest criticism, you need to stop talking. You're hurting the game. Oh my god. <laughs> And these two, they, like, if you try and have a balanced opinion, then they both hate you. So it's like American politics almost. But anyway, so that's the one thing that I do have a complaint about with this community. Other than that, it is actually like if you're going out to do something in the world, you'll have, oh my God, you'll have much less of <laughs> that whole, where to go, Someone's moving a chair, they're rearranging <laughs> or something. That, that sounded like someone passing wind on a leather chair. <laughs> Amazing. We're so mature. Um... <laughs> I would agree, though. I would say that overall, the community is uh, very... Uh, the point that Ryan, I assume, was about to make was that the community is very welcoming and um, uh, friendly, especially to players that are new, as long as the players are you know, being polite. Like, if you get in-game and start just being a jackass because you don't know anything, that's one thing. But if you come in and say, hey, I'm new to the game, or hey, I'm, I've been out of the game for a while, like, what is this, or how do I do this? You will almost certainly get somebody that will help you and, like, can stick mm -hmm. with you and, you know, will explain things to you, give you tips... Um, it's very, I would say it's a very friendly community in-game for the most part. I mean, there's always going to be some toxic elements, but um, for the most part, and especially comparatively, I would say it's a very good community overall. The forum, yeah. the forum bickering that Ryan was mentioning definitely <laughs> happens a lot, but yeah. That's a, yeah. Down to even, you know, the game mechanics, they're very facilitative of cooperative play rather than competitive play. You're not going to see, you know, nodes are all shared or in, tied to the individual. You're not going to be fighting over nodes. You're not, uh, at least in PvE, you're never going to run into to PvP in PvE. You have to go to separate areas to do that. Um, all of the event credit, XP, everything is shared. So you don't have to loot. worry about loot as well. Everybody so gets their own role at the loot table that's exclusively theirs. If yeah. if uh if an enemy gives you 500 experience for killing it, it gives every player 500 experience that killed it, no matter how many players there were. So having more people actually helps you level up faster because you kill things faster but get the same experience. And uh, I presume that's as long as you're in a group with them, it nope. doesn't matter who... Nope. who ta okay, so you don't have to be in a group. No group. Just nope, be there. yeah, just completely freeform... Um, yeah, which has which has led to some people. Um, they they do feel like there's this sense of everybody's playing together alone, where people frequently don't group up as much because you don't need to group to get these benefits, and so people will play together in sort of these um, impromptu groups where they gain these benefits and play together and stick around for a while. But everybody sort of feels like they're doing their own thing. But I feel like I'd still prefer that to to feeling pissed off every time I see somebody. Mm -hmm. 
Well, that there's that scaling. So how much you contributed to the event will also determine whether you get a bronze, silver, or gold medallion. That being said, if you want to do better at, which it's not hard to get gold, but if you want to make it more sure that you'll get gold every time, you can group up with people there. You just say LFG and someone will grab you. Yeah. Um, now you're benefiting from the damage that your group does. So it's not, you know, it's not launching you way over everybody else's contribution, but because they're doing damage and you're in a group with them, you're giving them certain supportive elements. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll increase your gold. Uh, chances, which is nice because now that is facilitating a little more group. And play. also, the more players that are at an event, the more enemies will spawn, which means that not only do you kill the same enemies faster for the same experience, there's also more enemies to kill. So it sort of like exponentially builds on itself to get people playing together. And that is a large reason why the so called Zerg and trains form is because of those mechanics. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a mixed blessing, but I overall think it's still better that it works that way. Okay, that sounds quite refreshing compared to other games models. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I would say that one of the strengths of Guild Wars 2 and Guild Wars 1 is that even if it's not necessarily in certain areas, ArenaNet really innovates a lot of core mechanics that I think a lot of other MMOs could completely adopt without you know, completely disregarding anything like Holy Trinity or anything. A lot of these mechanics for like mobs and loot and sharing and... All those types of things, I feel like, are really revolutionary and should be adopted by more companies. Cool. It seems to have that sort of mentality about it, where they're not only trying to make a game, they're trying to make a statement as well. Um, You know, like the build-up towards Guild Wars 2 was based around this kind of innovative approach to gaming and the way to do it, even the payment structure Mm -hmm. states that, Mm -hmm. and it's... If from somebody who's always subbed to a game and pays month in, month out, it almost feels like, what, so I only have to pay once and then I can play for free all the time, it, it, therefore it, it can't be any good. And the reality is it's not true. It is a good game. It's just it's a different payment model. They have introduced microtransactions, though. Is that true? Correct. Oh, They've yeah. been there from the beginning. Okay, um, but only in Guild Wars 2, yeah? There was no micro in Guild Wars, was there? Was some, was yeah, there, there were a few okay. things. There was a little bit, yeah. Like character slots and uh, extra bank tabs and uh, later the mercenaries. Um, yeah, there were, there were a few things, but... Do, uh, does it now directly affect in-game performance? Or is it still just no. cosmetic and usability? Yeah, or? it's it's almost into... Well, yes, I would say it's entirely cosmetic and convenience items. And I would say also to their credit, unlike a lot of games that try and gouge you in that way, Guild Wars, especially for things like people will complain about, you know, well, they give you so little bag space and, you know, so they're trying to sell you bags. But Guild Wars has by far the most efficient bag handling system of any MMO I've ever seen because they give you the ability to... um sell from anywhere in the world like you can sell it on the trading post immediately you can salvage you can um deposit all of your collectibles from anywhere in the open world into your bank which has big stacks that like you can have up to 250 of every material so you know you may get a ton of items but most of those items you either want to sell or salvage sell on the trading post or salvage and once you've salvaged them then they go into your bank and it takes forever to get a full inventory after you've done all your salvaging and stuff like that Mm. and so you really don't need to buy bag slots at all it's just how long do i want to be lazy enough to not just click through my inventory salvaging crap um Mm. yeah so i i think that they've done a very responsible job with that um and yeah on the other hand if you (laughs) 
you want all the bank space, I think you can, what is it? You can buy up to 14 bank slots, plus you can expand all of <laughs> your true. all of your collectibles up to 1,000, I believe. I think it's 1,500 now. I think they added two more. Yeah. Jeez. Okay. Well, yeah, you can hoard things also if you really want to hoard things. But you can also, so this is an interesting system that they have, is that you can buy the currency that you use to buy these cash items with gold and the the cost of that sort of scales with the economy and vice versa you can actually you so this is actually kind of controversial is that you can actually exchange real money for gold you can't exchange gold for real money but you can exchange it for what you would have to normally buy with real money i, I disagree with that because when i logged in yesterday i had plenty of people offering to exchange um, <laughs> real money for gold <laughs> Um, I, I presume they're arena net employees. I'm not sure, but um, oh no! But oh, yeah, you give yeah. them money and you get gold. You can't get. You can't give them gold for money. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a few final questions um, for an idiot like me, and I'll get all of you to answer these um, in turn. So first off, Spirit, what's the best profession? Oh, uh, do you mean like my favorite in my what's heart? What's the best profession, Spirit? Yep, just the best profession. Yeah. Yeah, tell us your bias. Damn it. <laughs> I feel like a traitor to everything I've said about thieves, what? but guardians are just so excel Fabulous. in every aspect of the game that if you if I you're thinking life. about what profession to roll, that, that you it's just I can't. They also get the argue best legendaries. Okay, so you're going with guardians. Yeah. Good to know. Ryan's obviously in disagreement with that and has lost all respect for you. Um, <laughs> no, no, I just thought she'd say thief. I was positive of it. Well, okay. if, you your whole if you're a new player, a I'm thinking from a new player, if you're going to pick any profession and you want the one that excels yeah. at everything, it's guardian. If you want one that you're going to get your ass kicked but has a high skill cap, thief is wonderful. Which do you love? <laughs> I if love you could only... my thief. Okay. I have two, um, three, three of them at 80. <laughs> How about you, Ryan? What's your go-to profession? Um, well, I would agree with her. If you're new, you should definitely look at Guardian or Warrior. But I mean, the Guardian, they just, they can hold a group together. They can do massive damage. They're, they are the, they're the one Neo. <laughs> but the one that I enjoy, the style of the most, it, I happen to like it the most in PvP, World vs. World, and PvE all at the same time because it has high mobility, it has good damage that you do have to know what you're doing to maintain, and it has utilities like the portal and stuff like that. It has time warp. So this one is, if you're talking about a jack-of-all-trades that's not easy, and therefore when you're good at it, it makes a huge difference, it's Mesmer. I really like that one. So if I want to be effective... Um, and I want it to be easy or I want to advise somebody, I tell them Guardian. Like, I'm leveling one for Uriah right now. Um, but for doing just straightforward damage, there's something to be said about those freaking numbers that come out of a staff alley that's camping la lava flop. <laughs> that's true. Or Hunter Plus, Blades Warrior. my elementalist is awesome looking. And you, Greyback, yeah. what would you rock with your go-to character? Um, it's going to be Necromancer or Guardian. Um, my Necromancer has been my main for a really long time and has my most hours by far and has, you know, one of my most blinged out looks. Um, but I also fell in love with the Guardian more recently, and she's the one I've been putting my legendaries onto. And, um, you know, of course, all the things that they said about um, sort of being easier to pick up and, and such are, are great, but I'm a big fan of uh, the sort of so-called Gish playstyle, which is where you mix magic and melee together, and they really embody that in a really fun way. And they get heavy armor, which I love the look of, you know, I love the look of some heavy armors, but there's enough heavy armor in the game that I really like. Um, that you get that, and I love rocking like a great sword and a staff. 
staff or great sword and a scepter and shield combo um and being able to switch between you know just shooting lasers everywhere and pulling people in and you know knocking them around and creating walls that they can't walk through and stuff like that. i yeah i i love the guardian and um and then of course like i said i've got the big soft spot for the necromancer also because i I really like the play style, and the Necromancer is the one that I'm most comfortable with playing in every game mode. Um, I'm definitely most comfortable in World v. World with my Necro build, and I do it in all the high-end PvE content as well, um, and PvP, so yeah, I would say Necro and Guardian. Cool. So That's what sucks, too, because before I started playing, um, I w- everyone knew I was planning to be a Guardian. And, you know, you were still wondering which one's going to, like, climb to the top and who's going to be among the best. And there's no reason I wouldn't stay Guardian, except for it felt like I was mashing buttons. Uh, as Christian used to say, you press uh, three, four, five, and then throw your keyboard down the stairs. <laughs> uh. And I, I'd obviously gone with a ranger just because it's the closest to a hunter, which none of you have recommended. So I'm now seriously doubting my choice, but I can't play a game unless I've got a pet with me. So that's fine. They've made a no, lot of actually, improvements to it. Yes, the uh, I'm getting the words mixed up. The ranger, um, if you get a cat, I'll show you where a black cat is if you want me to show you in-game. Um, you can do some massive damage with the sword and a dagger or a sword and a warhorn. They do some of the highest damage if you can do it correctly, if you know how to pull it off. The only thing about it is all the other professions, if you're in the middle of a thing and you're going, oh shit, that guy's going to punch me in the face, you can dodge. Oh, a ranger, if you're in the middle of that sword attack, you'll be like, oh shit, it's going to punch me in the face. Better just grin better it, better suck it up. And you're like, why can't I freaking dodge? So other than that, though, it's it's great. And they have good range DPS too. Mm-hmm. Like they're yeah, they're mm-hmm. they're very strong as well. There's I, not, I I would say there's not a class that isn't a solid choice. They all have excellent builds and and good rules. It's just a matter of kind of the skill cap of each class and just the, the fact skill that floor none of us and really play cap. rangers. I've got one, but there's actually a stigma. There's more right now. There is a stigma for necromancers in progression PVE. I'm saying there's a stick. I'm not saying they suck, but just be aware that they're like for Rangers. You're not going to see as much of that. There's a little bit to carry over, but um, death and taxes is a guild that does a lot of min maxing and math about this game. And Brazil, the Hugh is a guy who, well, that's what he goes by in guru. I think he just goes by Brazil. But anyway, this guy, he had this video he put out that was like, look, you guys, we make fun of Rangers and all that, but check this out. And he showed the damage. It was, and so that kind of dispelled that for, it's kind of sucks that one guild can kind of dictate that, but at least they're doing a good job of trying to dispel stuff. Yeah, like Yeah. And this. the biggest problem with necromancers is that, you know, the, well, the, the way that I like to play them is with conditions and there is a cap to how many conditions enemies can have on them. And if you have more than one condition giving class or build, you hit that cap very easily. And so you have diminishing returns. Um, is, is a huge problem and then another thing is that they have a lot of amazing um, like speed debuffs so they can cripple they can chill they can also do things like blinding um, and in an ultimately completely min max group the best status condition is dead and if you can kill things fast enough without yourself dying there's no need to stall enemies so technically speaking a perfectly a perfectly optimally skilled group of all maximum dps is going to sort of obviate the need for a necromancer but 
it doesn't mean that they're bad. It just means that they're right. a few seconds less optimal. And mm-hmm. I I really enjoy their um, versatility. And when you get into World v. World, they're nuts because they just put oh, out yeah. so much control on people. And when you see a big enemy mob and they're trying to you know attack and then you jump into the middle of them and you shoot your hit points up to 40,000 and you have a giant AoE around you that blinds and chills everyone around you, they just go, oh crap, and they start trying to run away and they can't because they're constantly being slowed. And then your your team just goes, oh, look at all those guys that are stuck. And then they just wipe them out. And it's like the most satisfying feeling in the world. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh but there's definitely a stigma around necromancers somewhat. I have one final question. Um, this is not a question that is going to help any listener, but it is one that all of them want to know the answer to. And I'm going to ask Spirit. Spirit, who's the best player out of all the hosts of the podcast? Oh, oh God. Uh, out of she's got to say Christian. That's the same well, answer. It's me. It, let's just be honest. I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm in a thief and I don't die, so. Oh, she could choose herself. Okay. Of course she can, and, uh, I and I'll take that. At least controversial. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. if you can't t- if you can't say yourself, who would be the next best? Oh, uh, oh, he did it, Smithy. No, that, that's a that's an easy cop out. Um, I will be in game shortly, and you will take that answer back. Um, <laughs> we'll see. I'll get on my ranger. You'll probably be better than me. It's so cute. She doesn't want to make either Ryan or I upset. It is. That's really nice. I mean, everybody knows that really she wanted to say Greyback, but she just didn't want to upset Ryan. Um, <laughs> Well, you didn't ask me who the worst is. Ryan's a scrub. I watched him do Liadri yesterday. <laughs> Res me 800 times. Thank you, guys. The, the, um, the one thing I should probably say, and I should have said this at the very beginning, was that I did log into the game yesterday just to kind of try and get some level of familiarity. First thing I noticed and remembered was just how beautiful it is. There is no other game out there that compares to its graphical choice, the way it looks. It is just an amazing game to play, even on a mid-level graphics card. Um, a second realization was why aren't I playing it more? Because I'm spending quite a bit of time in other games. By a bit of time, I mean maybe an hour a week. I don't play games often. Um, and the result of that was I went and cancelled my WoW subscription because I haven't turned the game on in about two months. I just saw it go out my bank account and realized there's no points. When I want to play a good MMO, I'll go play Guild Wars 2. So, um, yeah, just 10 minutes in game kind of converted me back to try and get my character progressed enough and just enjoy the game. Um, so, yeah, it, it won me over within 10 minutes again. I, I genuinely can't figure out why I haven't been playing it more. You know what'll keep you playing more, too? What's that? Roll a female Norn. Really? I've, ne- I've never rolled a female character because I know I get too method. I didn't either. It's the first one I ever did. Really? But, and it's the only female character I'll probably ever play in MMOs, but I have three of them. Uh, a Nord sexy, or are they quite... It's it's a combo. Uh, I can't believe we're doing this on the podcast, but it's a combination. Number one, they're awesome. Like you know, in most MMOs, there are the the female characters, and oh, I'm so petite. Check out my boobs. I'm sticking them out, and here's my butt. Where with I mean, Norn do Norn have women huge you, boobs. There's no like power. There's girl no choice boobs either. Just... You can't turn them down. But that's not it. It's like they're <laughs> well. I mean, they're huge with babies that size. You need some massive memories. <laughs> on top of that, though. They're just healthy looking. Their society is like, it's, it's, there's no gender about this unless you're talking about the sons of Svani or their enemies. But to these people, they're all tough. Everyone's tough. We all fight. Um, so yeah. And if you like the face choices actually look like mature women, which is a, you know, 
you make a female human and it's the same old story as other games very stupid looking so they're just awesome in general norn are awesome female human character's face <laughs> right yeah, now I'm, I'm sorry but she has she has no placenta she has what? no upset <laughs> i meant to say pancreas pancreas what she has no pancreas, no intestines. Look at her hips, from memories dude. to childbirth. This is going really weird. Well, do, that's not a very bad leap, do you not, I don't um, think. Do you not think it's a bit odd that, I mean, it is just accepted within all forms of medium that women can have these giant cartoon-type boobs, but if you had a male character who just had this huge card piece, they just I kind mean, of stuck out and do that. Yeah, you oh, can God. have that if you want it. Yeah. Oh, cool. This, you can also have like, a, like a low V-neck showing the chest hair. Oh, you can have, like, a no chest, basically. Yeah, oh, Oh, yeah. You can go hardcore. Is there, like, a scale just for chest hair? So you can go, like, trimmed manscape, or you can go straight (laughs) up to coarse, bushy, like, Robin Williams, just like Wolfman. You can't quite go up to Austin Powers level. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Oh, Oh, man. That's covered most of my questions. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, seriously, this game, um, if you're a parent, especially... It's a great game for that because when something comes out, you can knock it out. I would like, like they're they're good at keeping it so that you don't have to log on every freaking day to stay relevant. Yeah. It's not that way at all. It could afford to be a little more the other way, honestly, where you have to log on more often to at least you know optimize a little bit because there's new content to do. I don't know. It's it's maybe if they made it so that if you want all of the skins for your wardrobe or something, you should log on more rather than just make sure and keep up with the gem store. It yeah, I mean it uh, it is definitely one of the best games that you can take a break from and not feel guilty or like you've fallen behind and also not feel like you're wasting money because you don't have to pay a subscription. It above all yep. other things is one of the one of the few MMOs that I would say respects your time as a human. You know, like mm-hmm. they don't make you grind overly long for things. They don't require you to play a million hours and they don't require you to pay just for the privilege of logging on. And so if you need to have a month or two where you just don't play that's fine and if you just play a little bit that's fine like guild wars 2 is fine with that and yeah, i think it's great and i mean i've taken breaks you know i play this game a lot but i've definitely had like a month or two at a time where i just basically didn't even log on i would just sort of do a perfunctory like couple minutes and you know i just that, that's fine oh uh, so i've had my mic muted because i'm still laughing <laughs> what even set you off god peace <laughs> When I when I hear copies, I always think of Batman Forever. No, not Batman Forever. Sorry, Batman and Robin. When Joel Schumacher just went, I mean, everybody knew Joel Schumacher was gay, but it's as if he had his coming out party with Batman and Robin. We just saw neon lights, giant nipples. I was gonna say rubber nipples. Yeah. yeah, and just the huge cut pieces. Like nobody needs to see Chris O'Donnell's cut piece. It's just, um, yeah, it was crazy. Uh, cut pieces for me are synonymous. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Um, it's still a good film. Strangely, it's. Ah, <laughs> oh. wheel of morality. Turn, turn, turn. Wheel of morality. Turn, turn, turn. Tell us the lesson that we should learn. Spirit. Even bear boys additional DPS. Continuing with our somewhat negative point of view on life and the world in general, welcome to the Grumpy Podcast. This week, ogres are atheists, are the new bosses killable, what's coming from WVW, and more. 
Hello and welcome to the Relics of War podcast, the podcast about Guild Wars. Actually, not so much Guild Wars, because like, I think four people are playing that. First off, Guild Wars 1 was a PvP game. Get mad, people. Oh, oh. I can't even be mad. Prophecies was a PvP tutorial. My name is Eric. Some of you know me as Shogaku. Let's say that they've been building a hamster house for the past six months and you can get your mini pet hamster and put him in there and you can customize it give him a sofa give him some stuff and everyone wants a hamster house and like this is something people have passionately wanted oh my goodness that is brilliant you could put a little little slippers in there for him and he could have a little table and a soda drink i would spend real money on that and i would spend hours customizing my hamster house anything's yeah. possible with infinite dev time <laughs> It's clearly a little bit more work than that, but for 10 bucks, that's my opinion. This is why we play video games, folks, because a friend of hers tried to kill her with a worm that throws tornadoes. Kate was sitting there and was going, citizen, 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 citizen. I can do fun things too. I can rebel. You can, but I can also mute you. Oh no! Matthew! It's okay, he'll come back. Why are we asking Evie about crafting? He's not dumb. Okay, mounted combat is not sandbox mode. It's just awesome. Uh, so I'm just going to do a horrible linking sentence brought to you by Shongaku. I'm extremely pleased with these gems of information you guys have been sharing with me, but uh, we should actually move on to talk about other gems that are making people much less happy. <laughs> that was well done. Could have. Scarlet falls in love with Logan Thackeray. Stop it. <laughs> do I, hey, do I need to put this on my up. head? I got this. There we go. Yeah, put that on. <laughs> the butt capes are there because they want to make capes, but they can't, so they keep making these butt capes. If you give us yeah. real capes, then they'll stop making butt capes, maybe. Or maybe someone just really likes butt capes, like they are like, hmm, butt capes, I'm gonna draw more art of those and then put them in the game. Butt cape, butt cape, butt cape, butt capes, hmm, butt cape. Maybe someone has a butt cape fetish. Yeah, that's right, I'm going with that theory. <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. I would, I would just be like, <laughs> butt cape. Naveen wants to take over Logan Thackeray's headquarters for uh, Wiggles eyebrows reasons. Butt cape. No, that was an amazing intro. It was like the best intro we have had in months.